What's up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to episode number 151 of The VK Bros, with me, Jason Von Cannell, and my bro... Is it 151? It is 151. How have you already forgotten that we hit our milestone episode of 150 last week? It felt like it was two weeks ago. Well, I just think it might be the amount of views that we received for last week's. It, uh, it could be. It seems like we'd normally only get that many views in two weeks, so maybe that's where you're getting a little bit confused. Maybe. I yeah. spend a lot of my life confused. <laughs> yeah, everyone who's watching knows that as yeah, well. Yeah, grabbing bananas was 150. Oh, there you go. There you go. There so you yeah, go. just want to give a, give a shout out to all of our new viewers who have, who have come and found us at the channel. Uh, Welcome. We are finally experiencing the growth that a normal channel receives on platforms like YouTube or other social media platforms that have censored us this entire time. So uh, it's nice to have you. So if you have come back a couple of weeks in a row, please, on Rumble, hit the follow button, hit the like button. Come and find us on socials as well. Like, we do have Instagram, we do have Twitter. We do post some slightly different content on those platforms too, which you might find interesting. It also might actually help us get kind of out of the shadow ban jail that we're sort of in on those platforms. It's not really shadow ban, it's more like... um, What's the what's the term for it? Where they sort of restrict your uh, broadcast? Like I we can't don't think get, of the term now. yeah, we don't get shown to people outside of our followers at this point for the majority of our posts. So uh, anyone who does want to come and find us on socials may help get us out of that jail. But, now put put in the comments if you were affected by the first thing Monday morning. We had the same issue that we've had a couple of times mm. uh, with the upload. And sometimes it doesn't show up there. So if you've been affected by that, uh, put put something in the comments just so we know. Yeah. We might not be worried about it, but uh, it might not affect a bunch of people. But I noticed that as soon as it comes online, like there's like 30 or 40 people that are on it. So if you're affected by that, let us know. Because then we can give some feedback back to Rumble to help them. Uh, yeah. So I can't remember if I've explained what the issue is before. I think I may have, but... Uh... It's essentially when I when I upload the video, it's usually a few days beforehand and I schedule it to, to release and become public at 5 a.m. on Monday morning. And for some reason, for the last month or so, almost every week, it comes up on my end as being public. But then when we share the links to socials and stuff like that and people click the link to go and watch the video, it says it's still private. And shout out to Rumble. All I have to do is tweet at Rumble that there's that problem and it gets fixed within like five minutes. But yeah, let us know if that is happening to you guys because Rumble is obviously trying to build their platform at the moment and any feedback we can give them, I'm sure that they'll appreciate. Hmm. Um, got a big show ahead today, guys. So I'm going to start off by giving not a, not a state of origin rap, but I just want to give you my quick thoughts on last night's state of origin game because we are recording this on Thursday night. Uh, we've also got some Bitcoin news to get into. We're going to get into the uh, Joe Rogan RFK versus uh, Dr. Peter Hotez stoush that happened during the week and some information that you probably don't know about the players involved in that. Uh, Hunter Biden was in the news again this week with uh, his plea deal. So we'll go into the details of that. And also um, something that hasn't really hit a lot of mainstream media news is some updates on our old friend SBF. So we'll be uh, updating you on where we're at with that as well. Um, was there anything, sorry, that you wanted to um, just, anything good happening in your week that you wanted to get into quickly first, Alex? No, I'm just going to throw this out there is I have been winding up to some potentially large news, but as at 
Thursday night, it hasn't happened yet. But maybe next episode, I'll have some big news. So the, the slow jerk continues. I hope all yes. of our viewers are enjoying I the believe, very slow jerk. I believe it's called edging. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the uh, tantric sex of the uh, information world. Yes, um, light a candle for next week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, State of Origin. State of Origin. Can I just say any- that what I watched of State of Origin? Yeah, go for it. I was ultra aware that it was on because I had to leave work early so I didn't get caught up in the traffic because I drive past the stadium. Yep. A- and then I watched a movie and then that movie finished at 8.30, which I believe is the same time they they kick off then, don't they? Oh, kick off at 8 o'clock. I totally forgot. I was listening on my phone doing nothing with the TV off and I yeah. didn't watch it. And I wanted to. I actually wanted to and I totally forgot. Yeah, right. Well, look, I, I shout you out for actually wanting to watch it last night. Yeah. Um, Alex it appears I didn't miss much. Well, Alex isn't a massive sports fan, so... There's... I'm not going to go through the full route. Queensland won 32-6. They win the series. Uh, the main comment that I want to make on this... I put a video up on our socials, for anyone who's on our socials who would have seen it, a week ago when the teams were, were announced. And I said, I made the comment in that video that this is exactly what is wrong with New South Wales at the moment. And this is the difference between the teams. And I can sum up the main, the differences between Queensland and New South Wales in one word. And that word, culture. Mm. Culture is everything. And in that video that I posted up, I said I was extremely confident of Queensland winning this game because New South Wales, again, had made decisions which destroyed their own culture. And that Can is, you just explain to me why there was a lot of... So, again, I'm not a watcher, yep. but I, I noticed there was issues with the selection, yep. the New South Wales selection, which I think you mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. Can you just give me in a nutshell what what that, what the New South Wales selection issue was? And yep. was it the coaches... Like, how how is he involved? Everyone's telling him on socials he should, he should resign. Do you think yeah, that's so- the case? So it's actually a good question that you asked because it was, it's this point can really illustrate the difference in the cultures between the two. The, the, the controversy around New South Wales was that in, they have probably on paper, the two best halfbacks in the game at the moment, both play for New South Wales, but you can only have one on the field at the time. And Nathan Cleary, who's the current Australian halfback, he was the incumbent. He played game one. He got injured on the weekend after game one. So he's out for the rest of the series. So it appeared for anyone that Nico Hines, who was the number two, he would have been Johnny on the spot next man up because you already picked him in the team for the first game. So it just makes sense that you just slot him in for the right. second game, right? So then when the, the teams were announced for the second game, they dropped him all together and they brought in a guy called Mitchell Moses. Now, Mitchell Moses is a good player too. Don't get me wrong, good player. But he also hasn't played in Origin since tw- uh, 2021. Uh, he was unsuccessful when he played in 2021 as well. And basically, to give you to give you the difference, so what it looks like to me, because one of the one of the key differences when you talk about selecting teams, 
you listen to the journos and when it comes to New South Wales, all the journos talk about club combinations. They all talk about, oh, you need combinations. You need all the Panthers guys to play together. Or, oh, well, Cleary's out. He was a Panther. So bring in all the Souths guys and then you get those combinations. Queensland never talks about combinations. And the journos don't ever talk about combinations in Queensland because Queensland has its own culture and its own way of playing. And Stop when tapping your desk. Sorry, thank you. So they have their own culture and their own way of playing. So when you pick a guy, he comes into the culture and the culture ensures that he will just do the job that he is assigned. So regardless of what club you come from, you're going to fit in, you're going to know your place. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah. and you'll, okay. you'll do your job for the team because they play right. for each other. So while, while New South Wales had a bad result in game one, which resulted them in then basically flipping their table over and, and selecting outside of the team that they thought was good enough to win game one, and a lot of that was caused by injuries, but wasn't all caused by injuries. So let me tell you a story on the opposite side of for, for as far as, how, as Queensland is concerned. So the only decision, the selection decision for Queensland for Origin 2 that I was surprised about was Billy Slater selected a guy called Jeremiah Nanai at second row instead of bringing in Felice Kaufusi. Now, they had to pick someone new because there was an injury that they were covering, okay? Now, Felice Kaufusi, he's played, I don't know, 15, almost 20 games for Queensland before. He's got all the experience in the world. I thought you just naturally slot him straight in and he'll do the job. Jeremiah Nanai has been out of form this season. He played last year and killed it in origin, but has been out out of form all, all this year. And interestingly enough, both of those players got long-term suspensions in the lead-up to this game. And the only difference between the two of them is Nanai played one game, Felice Kaufusi played no games before this uh, this Origin match came around. So you can't really even claim that Nanai had any more match fitness. So I was confused when he was named in the team purely based on the form that he had been exhibiting this year. Right. So then once, so the team's been selected, all the training's gone through and whatever. And I didn't hear about this until game day because I was listening to a show, The Captain's Run. It's got Cameron Smith and um, Den and Kemp, like a radio show. And Cam Smith's one of the assistant coaches. And he was asked about the Jeremiah Nanai selection. And this is how Queensland handled that. When Nanai got suspended weeks ago, this is probably about a month ago, Billy Slater, the Queensland coach, called Nanai up and said, hey, you're not informed this year. These are the deficiencies in your game that you need to go away and work on whilst you're suspended. And I, I know you've got one match before game two selections happen and you need to show me that you've worked on these things. Right. In that one game that he came back, he was a different player. And all the things like... Right. Like it's effort areas and all that sort of stuff. I'm not going to get into it because it'll... it'll Please it don't. Won't, yeah. But so that phone call was made a month ago to give him a shot and then they picked him even though the rest of the year he was out of form. Now, Mitchell Moses, the halfback they picked for New South Wales, he is in form at the moment because he had a really good game the weekend before selections. Nico Hine has... Not Hines, who had been killing it all year and all last year, had a bad game that same weekend. So it looked right. like they Brad Fittler, the New South Wales coach, just swapped him out because Moses was in better form. So what does that say about the culture of the team? These guys don't know that they're going to get picked next time. They don't know. Uh, There's no time yeah, to build yeah. the cohesion together, right? There's no 
um, comfort in knowing I can have one a one-off bad game, but they know I'm I'm good enough to be at this level, and they know I'll put in when I get to. The it, origin it also team. sounds it also sounds to me like it's very hard to cater your games outside of Origin to cater for the New South Wales team, like because on form isn't exactly a definable trait, no, it's not. right? Yeah. Whereas it seemed like Billy has given that guy very specific things that he wanted to, to work on. Yep. So he could have a specific game plan for his next game to then get selected. 100%. And the fact that Billy then picked him, yeah, that says a lot. That says yeah. a lot. Because I see that in corporates, right? Like, I wish that people got fired that way. I wish people right. got fired and said, well, or, or like instead of doing like a, uh, you know, like performance, a performance improvement, improvement plan. plan. Yeah. Yep, which we all know is just a way to get you out the door. It's actually yep. to say, these are the things that you're really bad at. But if yep. you can fix those and if you could do this and give yourself a, a good amount of time to get to that, we'll support you any way that we can. Yep. Job stays. Yeah. Because but you're actually yeah. trying to set that person up for success, which mm. then your company benefits from. And that's mm. culture. That is good culture. Um, another example, just a really brief one. The guy who won Man of the Match is our prop called Lindsay Collins. And I caught on the radio after the game was over a bit of a rant from a guy called Luke Lewis, who's like a blues legend. And he was ranting about the fact that he goes, Lindsay Collins doesn't play like that for the Roosters. But every time he gets picked for Queensland, he grows another leg and he puts in these performances. That's culture. And it's not a coincidence to me. Because Billy Slater played his entire career in good culture. Because his entire um, club career he played at the Melbourne Storm, who is the most successful club in the last 20 years. And he was part of the Queensland eight-in-a-row team. So all Billy knows is good culture. Yeah, and the one clip that I did see of the press conference at the end, Billy goes... We don't blame people. It's just about get the job done. What yeah. what do we need to do to improve our game? Which is like the Toto Wolf and Mercedes uh, yep. strategy in Formula One. No blame, yep. purely constructive. Mm. So that was really refreshing to hear. And it was like no emotion. It's not about getting emotional about it. Yeah. It's like, okay, what do we need to do? What action can we take? Yeah, and you, you got to think about it too. If, you, if your culture knows that it's a no blame culture, that means everyone is more willing to accept criticism too. Because yeah, normally when you receive criticism, you perceive it as blame. Mm-hmm. But if you know you're not being blamed, you're just being told this is what you need to work on, you'll you'll actually yeah. take it on board and you won't get defensive off, straight off the bat. So, so that's the one thing that I wanted to say about... Sorry, there's two things I want to say about Origin. But the number one thing is culture matters. Culture is the difference between the two sides at the moment. I was very confident leading into this series that we could potentially even win at 3-0. And the main reason why I thought that was because this is the first year in, like since the eight in a row guys retired, this is the first year that we've rolled into this series without any key injuries and New South Wales had plenty. So even just for that, I was like, I'm pretty confident of the win. Um, But culture is absolutely everything. The second point that I want to make too is how I feel that absolute ridiculous, irrational, one-eyed, support your team at all costs needs to go back to just being done about sports. Because I'll give you an example. So I'm watching the game last night. Our first try, so Queensland's first try, it's probably a knock-on. 
Right. But I texted all my blues mates going, yeah, try time, try time. I knew it was a knock on, but I like my, my team, no matter what, my team above everything, right? I yeah. knew it was an indiscretion, but I did not care because they're my team. Yeah. yeah. Our second try was off a blatantly forward pass. It may have been two meters forward. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. I'm texting yeah. my mates. Try time. How good was it? How good was it? Right? Backing my team no matter what. Shit calls go either way. That's fine. But I was winning and I was loving it. And I was giving it to people. That The sporting realm should be the only realm that people have that mentality. But you see that mentality in everything these days. It's in politics. Yeah. It's in yeah. pro-vax, anti-vax. It's all that Culture. stuff. That's right. Yeah. So in everything that is supposed to be rational, we need to go back to being rational and in the middle and, and less emotional and more considered. So I think everyone needs to watch sports and pick a team so you can scratch that irrational bullshit itch in the yeah, fashion yeah, yeah. that you're supposed to. Because I scratched it hard last night. Hard. <laughs> I was an absolute pest to my Blues friends last night See, as I, I was after I like game one. I like being the anti-fan as well. So, again, I'm a Formula 1 fan. And whenever the talk of GOAT comes up, who is the greatest of all time? There's yeah. two contenders, really, which is Michael Schumacher and Lewis or Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. They've both won the same amount of championships. They've both got seven each. Yeah. And so when people ask me who I think it is, I answer with, clearly, Nico Rosberg. Yeah. <laughs> because Nico Rosberg was, in, was the only driver to beat both of those guys mm. in the same car. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it just people's brains just melt. It just upsets because people when Nick, straight away. Yeah. When Rosberg when Rosberg won that championship, he went, so yeah, I'm out. I'm yep. out. Yep. Giving me the ability to use that argument. Yeah, so yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, I I totally respect that. Now, next subject. Yes. Okay. My phone has been going hot with people that I haven't spoken to about crypto for ages all of a sudden because bitcoin just hit 30 grand us again okay yeah. broke through 30 grand today it's cut like right now let me just check right now right now yeah it's gone back over okay all the candles are green all the candles are green yeah all right now it is on the news that uh, and I've, I've just got... Uh, so I want to hide that one first. The four largest ETFs, so that's a exchange-traded fund. So yeah. that's a... Uh, an ETF is a great investment function uh, tool for people. You can yeah. just basically put money in and they don't... They just buy shares in the top-performing companies and leave it there. They don't, they don't trade them, so the fees are very low. Okay? Yeah. And the returns are usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Four of the largest ones put forward applications to have ETFs based on Bitcoin. Yeah. So normal people on the street can go and buy these ETFs, which are used to buy Bitcoin. Yep. So you don't custody it. It's just like, so boomers would love it. Yeah, yeah. So because of that, Bitcoin went off its tits. Mm-hmm. It was up 6% in a day, all right? Uh, well, 7.8% uh, from the year, the start of the year. Now, let me say this. Oh, sorry. Another piece of news. The uh, SEC... I've got it here, I've got it here, I've got it here. The SEC... 
uh, sorry, Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, mm-hmm. had said, oh, I've got it here, had said a few things about crypto, one of which was stable coins are a form of money. Oh. He said that in a document, right? So we, we've spoken on this show before about how they are actively trying to destroy stable coins. Yeah. Uh, because Fed now's out, right? Their own mm-hmm. payment system. And look at what, what else he said, which is on the screen here. Crypto appears to have staying power as an asset class. Yep. So do you know what this says to me? Central bank digital currency is coming? No. Should I say it? No. Let me say what the market says. The market sees, that's great. We've got these mega, mega uh, uh, ETF funds going to dump billions of dollars into it. Yep. Yes, this is hot. This is what we wanted to hear. Oh, finally, Jerome Powell comes around and sees the light. And now he's all for it. Yep. Last week, he wasn't. But this mm. week, he's all for it. Let's pump it. Let's get in. Okay, that's what the market sees. And that's what all my mates that have texted me today yep. have all said. Oh, it's 30 grand. Oh, how good's that? Oh, I'm going I'm to buy some. It's a trap. Yeah. It's an institutional te- pump and dump. I texted my mate, Paulie, just with like the price and like bull trap mm-hmm. and he sends me a voice shout out to paulie he sends me a voice message back basically no nah, do you know what this time i think they're just giving one to the little guy <laughs> I, think, I think these guys he goes he goes i think vanguard blackrock like these these massive institutions are finally giving the little guy a crack so they can make the big plays with the big guys. Yeah. I think it's great. Because, you know, a rising tide raises all ships together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it goes, just a beautiful thing. It's about time they helped us out. Mm. So I'm challenging myself. This is not financial advice. I'm talking about me. You do you. Do you. I will sell some. Now, I have not sold any Bitcoin for years. Mm-hmm. Because I was just like a buy guy, buy, buy, yep. buy, buy, buy. But if this pumps to say thirty five thousand US dollars, you know it could go, it could go forty, forty five. You know, with the with the, this kind of news, I mean, yep. that's the best news you could have: institutional money going in, and the Fed chair saying Bitcoin's good, stablecoins yep. good, yep. DeFi is good. Now, I want to see if this proves my point that this is just a rug pull. And you have said this numerous times on this show. Mm-hmm. It's just institutional money going and placing bets, manipulating the market, and 100%. wiping out the, the little guy. Yeah, I, I'm i saying this now so people know yeah. if you're buying now, I'm selling. I'm selling with the Black Rocks, bro. Yeah. I'm so, selling with the Black Rocks. So what you need to keep in mind too is when you were saying, oh, it might get to 35, it might get to 40, I'd say it's probably more likely, because what did it pump from? What was it before? Like, say, a week ago? Last week, it was 25 grand. Okay. I'd say it might get to 32, mm-hmm. because the pump has come from the institutional money being invested in to artificially pump. Then they bought in while it was cheap when there was no noise, like you were saying. And then once they've all got their bets placed, they go, hey, Jerome Powell, go and tell the market that it's all good to go and buy in. And then Jerome Powell goes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, look, yeah, I think that maybe uh, crypto has shown stability as an asset. 
to get the mum and pop investors to jump in. And look, they get they go on, they go, oh, look, Bitcoin's going up. What was the all-time high? Oh, it might get up to that. I'm going to get in now. And then it'll pump, 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 pump. But you got to remember too, these institutions like your Black Rocks and stuff that have all tried to apply for these Bitcoin-based ETFs, they're probably pumping in, what, $10 billion, $50 billion, whatever the number is. So they don't require the same amount of uh, upswing, percentage upswing, as what you would to consider it value for you to sell it. Like if they get a 10% uplift on $50 billion in a week, they'll sell. That's worth selling. Now, I'll tell you why I think, so you're right. I'll tell you why I think it'll go higher is because it'll take time to get the boomers on board. Mm. So they're going to need a couple of days. This has only happened today. So it's going to take like a week. And in the meantime, there's going to be like, even I've brought up the graph here. Look at the volume. Like the volume is up. There's uh, $30 billion has moved today in Bitcoin. But see, this is what you have to consider as well. Uh, There's probably also going to be a degree of hedge fund versus hedge fund in this. And whoever sells first wins. Yeah, for sure. But, but the, I'm, so they're not buying anymore. So the hedge funds, yeah. what I'm saying is the hedge funds aren't buying now. The yep. hedge funds bought down here. And by the way, everyone that texted me, I'm pretty sure I told you to buy at 16. Didn't I? <laughs> because I did. I said 16. I bought some at 20. I bought some at 25. I said it every time. And then I'm getting the calls at 30, right? So they're bought. So a lot of this pump is now going to be, this will be mum, like mum, uh, mummy and daddies. Yeah, you can buying, see buying, where yeah. the fir- where the initial uplift is. That first one. So if you scroll back slightly, even yeah, that is where all the institutions bought in. Then that extra little spike. No, in they the- got, I reckon they got. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They got to that. Yep, yeah, yeah. Then all these other little spikes and stuff you're starting to see. That's all the mum and pups trying to get on board now. Yeah. So, so they'll cool. they'll only they'll only be chasing a you know ten percent return on investment. Because all the because the thing is, it's not that's not all they're ever going to earn. But they want to sell it as high as they possibly can before the other hedge funds sell out, and then it's going yeah. to nosedive. And then guess what happens when it gets back to sixteen grand? They're going to buy in and do it again because <laughs> that's the way the game is played. I'm starting. I'm going to call myself Alex Van Cannell, as in <laughs> Vanguard. Yeah. I'm going to start. I'm I'm trying to think like them. So what what I found interesting, which is an absolute trait we know this when people get excited about it and obviously the, those amount that amount of green candles and that number of thirty thousand dollars has 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 tickled people's nipples again yeah that's where my brain goes time to sell yep absolutely. and what i'll try and do is i'll try and sell effectively i'm going to try and sell the stuff i bought at 16 20 25 sell it for 35 yep it might go to 45, I won't care. Doesn't matter. And then when it comes back, then I'll yep. re-enter. A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. And you know it's yeah. coming. And I'm only speaking from experience from the last bull run because I had set, for a lot of my cryptos, I had set sell orders in at certain figures, which me as a retail head saw value in selling at those figures. And funnily enough, the peaks were all like $2 prior to those figures. Because any any big, like, large-scale investor knows that's what a normal retail head's thinking, so I'm going to sell just before that. 
because yeah. just before it gets there that means that everyone's going to have their money in and as soon as the first one sells everyone's going to see I, and i do it a step before that so i do yeah. what people think like usually you know the the, the round numbers then they go down to like that's what you said just mm. do a little bit short of that well i go short of that yeah because just to make sure that i hit it because sometimes you know sometimes when you're selling with these fees sometimes the fees the way the fees are calculated on the sell you might you might be in the zone above it but it doesn't yeah. sell because it doesn't factor the fee in so yeah I, I i take a little bit of skin off the top you know yeah and but but here's the next thing too specifically bitcoin and this is not financial advice at all but specifically bitcoin when the inevitable tumble happens when the dump happens that's when you buy yeah. because this will pump again because this is the game right like bitcoin has been out of the news the mainstream for 12 months no talk about not bitcoin. only that the sec has been beating the fuck out of it not bitcoin but crypto but crypto and yeah. now yeah. the fed chairs like no nah, it's sweet as a eh? it's sweet mm. yeah Get probably probably Get because the u.s treasury that's broke has invested in cryptocurrencies and is now going to pump and dump their own citizens yeah, yeah, oh, I totally think that it, it is. It is a. Uh, you said it before during the uh, the FTX scandal, and the more I thought about it, the more I think it's right. It was actually an excellent way. So take the fraud part out, and we'll circle back to the SBF story later on. But mm. it it could potentially be that these massive institutions love wiping out the middle class. So yeah. anyone that had the fifty bucks, five hundred bucks, five thousand bucks, ten thousand bucks in a invested oh i'll take that go on mm-hmm. get back to work let yeah, us rich get, people do the rich people because because those institutions too you have to remember they're not just invested in these things that they're wiping out and taking their money they're also invested in the companies that require the workers to come in and do the shit jobs that yeah. everyone quit during the pandemic when there was all yeah. the government stimmy money coming out and they were like oh i can just stay home it's all good it's funny that I, I just saw an article about new york office occupancy has only just got back over 50 percent. yeah right I, so long how can you be surprised about that like the the cost of that occupancy is gigantic and you literally gave people two years to figure out how to do stuff remotely mm. Un- completely unsurprising and i know that mm. a lot of the cbds and stuff like that like melbourne cbd is still pretty pretty poor yeah yeah, I was only there at the start of the year and it was uh, definitely definitely a little bit gruff. Yeah. But in saying that, we were looking for some office space uh, on the Gold Coast and well, I, I, did a, I did a quick search on the north side of the Gold Coast. There was nothing available, like nothing. And I think yeah. when, when one of the other guys looked on a different site, there was like three or four offices available. Yeah, and that's, okay. there's a bunch of new developments going up. So anyway, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hmm. All right, moving on. All right. Let's go to our mate, Mr. Hotez. So while you bring that up, just to give people a bit of a background on this. So for anyone who doesn't know, and if you go on the internet, you probably already do, but uh, presidential candidate Robert Kennedy Jr. appeared on the Joe Rogan experience last week, late last week, and spoke about a whole range of things, one of which was vaccines, not just COVID vaccines, but also... Uh, regular childhood vaccines and for me looking into this a lot myself obviously being a parent of young children and you know looking at vaccinations and stuff like that 
the amount of vaccines that they take in America is astronomical. I think it's about yeah. 72 or 75. 75. Yeah. Yeah. Like just a ludicrous amount of vaccines. So one that's one of the things that uh, Robert Kennedy was speaking about on the podcast. And he goes through a lot of the history. I, I, I posted it up on, on uh, our socials, which no one would have seen. But I think it's a fascinating thing. Whether you, you got it, like take it with a grain of salt because we don't know all the things that he's talking about. But when you actually listen to some of the history on some of these things, a lot of it will at least make you think twice and maybe do a little bit more research. So anyway, subsequently what happened was uh, Dr. Wait, can I, can I just pause on that for a moment? Yeah, yeah, sure. Because I spoke, I listened to that podcast and then I spoke to my friends about it and what was interesting is how easily cornered they were when I said, like, have we just assumed that these childhood vaccines do what this they're supposed to do? Yeah. And like, oh, yeah, 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 it works, it works. Like, we don't have polio, you know? Mm. That's always the one like, that comes up. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, but do we not have polio because of vaccines? Or do we not have polio because of hand hygiene, better nutrition? Yeah. Better. And, and then, and then it's, oh, no, no, it's from that. I'm like, is it? Are we sure? Because with everything that's just happened, which they agree, they're definitely on the, the, the COVID vaccine didn't do what yeah. was written on a box. Yep. So are we sure? And then we all looked at each other like, we never looked. We've never yeah. looked. It's purely just that. Because we trust in like public a, health. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost an unwritten rule. Like, that's, that's the... Uh, the cultural zeitgeist is you do that. You That's just do right. that. You don't question yep. it. You just do it. And when you look, not just COVID, right? Because COVID's very recent. But one of the other stories that we covered on the podcast a few months ago was how when they did a meta-analysis on all of the studies in regards to uh, SSRI, so selective serotonin, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which are antidepressant drugs. Mm-hmm a meta-analysis of all studies into the links between serotonin and depression concluded that there is no link between serotonin and depression. Yeah. And we've been like, not we. It was uh, the, the assumption, the assumption that yeah. that's what it did. And the is medical it, it, community has been prescribing those drugs to victims of depression for 30 years now. And they're one of the most prescribed drugs in australia and in america i think in australia the stat at the time was one in seven adults take these things every single day and there is no evidence that they actually help your condition uh i asked a younger cohort 21 23 24 year olds yeah and asked uh, how many of their friends are on it mm-hmm. and it was over half yeah and another interesting anecdote all those ones that are on them also love cocaine <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, I've also thought too a lot about, uh, you know, both both of our partners are teachers, so you you talk to teachers and you talk about kids and and trends and stuff like that. And in the last decade, there has been an uptick in the amount of kids that have been diagnosed with things like ADHD and put on mm-hmm. ADHD medications. And I think that that would have been the case even when we were kids. Like there was probably a lot more that were on those meds than we even knew about. And I would love to, I've never looked into this myself, but I would love to see the statistics 
on how many children who take ADHD medications as children, A, ever come off those, Mm. and B, how many of those then go on to be on something like an SSRI or or anti-anxiety medication or something as an adult. Because in my head, I just look at it and I go, you've normalized that kids have to take a pill every day. You've normalized that. So... Yeah, anyway. And what's the fix? And what's the fix? Yeah, there is. It's the lifetime customer that that Big Pharma wants. That's... So RFK goes on. I should find the actual tweet, shouldn't I? Yeah, so it'll be be Hotez's original tweet, but maybe go on Joe Rogan's page. I'm on Rogan's. I think it's at the top here. So again, to give the preamble. So RFK's on Rogan. Um, Then Hotez tweets... uh, basically a, a bit of an attack and a slanderous attack against rfk and rogan on twitter and the interesting thing about it is rogan doesn't really do much on twitter himself like he's big enough he doesn't need to he doesn't need the audience he doesn't talk to people he speaks about it on his podcast all the time he tries to stay away from social media because he thinks it's pretty toxic and for someone as famous as him i would say his experience would be very toxic but so hotez kind of just throws out these uh these accusations so here we go so yeah so that was the original one wasn't that spotify one yeah so he he tweeted saying spotify has stopped even sort of trying to stem joe rogan's vaccine misinformation it's really true uh at anna merlin just awful and from all the online attacks i'm receiving after this absurd podcast it's clear many actually believe this nonsense so that actually wasn't the original one i don't think i think there was another one yeah i think that, that was okay so Joe Rogan responded to that tweet and he said, Peter, if you claim what RFK Jr. is saying is misinformation, I'm offering you $100,000 to the charity of your choice if you're willing to debate him on my show with no time limit. So be- sorry, before we continue, just to explain who Peter Hotez is for most Australians. I can, who won't sh- I can show a video. Uh, yep, show it after I say this. So okay. P- Peter Hotez is one of the... Uh, most often cited experts in regards to vaccines in the United States. He was the one they wheeled out on TV all the time. Um, he's very pro-vaccination. He he claims that he receives no money at all from big pharmaceutical companies and that all his foundation tries to do is create low-cost vaccines for poor people. And yet... He's been exposed time and time again with the back-end money he has received from the companies, as well as direct funding from people like Anthony Fauci for certain things that were beneficial to people making money. Services rendered. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Also has received money from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, etc., etc. So if you want to go... He's a shill. He is a... Now, I just want to preamble this. We'll go through a bunch of the, the tweets and the responses, yep. and everyone is being very kind. I'm going to be unkind. Yep. This guy is nothing more than a clown puppet shill for vaccine companies. It's pathetic what he's done. Yep. He's so dumb that he's he should never have shot that shot mm. because he's getting decimated now and we'll see yeah. but let, let's show i just want to show, Be- give you a measure of the man before you do that i've said before on the podcast i think but i'll say it again you're right he never should have shot this shot because this shot was so dumb and now he's getting wrecked from it this is what happened to people 
who are on that side of the political spectrum in the last three years because they had zero pushback on social media because yeah. everyone was censored. So they got sloppy. Yeah, he thought he would get away with it. He thought right. he thought that they would get censored. All right, yeah, here, this, is, this is the guy. This is the guy. It is the unique potential safety problem of... I should preamble this. So yeah. someone has, has uh, uh, mocked this or stuck these videos together. Yeah. For audio listeners, there's dates at the top left. Just understand every time it changes... It's going forward in time. But you're, yeah. You're... So the, the preamble, it says the great double-talking vaccine scientist. Coronavirus vaccines. And then <laughs> something changed. Any vaccine released by emergency use authorization by the FDA is an outstanding uh, vaccine. J&J's vaccine has a risk of life-threatening blood clots. When you hear the beep, that's the sound of safety. So don't overthink it. Uh, they're they're both really good. Vac- they're all really good vaccines. Get vaccinated now. You gotta call now. If you wait, uh, it's going to be really too late to protect your child. If this was your child, what happens next could make it the worst day of your life. So even though COVID poses zero threat to healthy children, vaccinate your children. Do the right thing. Be safe and not sorry. I'm strongly recommending for adolescents to get their two doses of vaccine and fully immunized after those two doses. Advanced technology that can help save lives. This is going to be a long-lasting vaccine. A long-lasting vaccine. A few moments later. We're seeing that two doses is not holding up well for emergency room visits. It's not holding up well for hospitalizations. Everyone's going to need a booster. You need that third immunization. Triple the amount. Get that third immunization. The two mRNA vaccines were always a three-dose vaccine. The two mRNA vaccines were always a three-dose vaccine. You've, I've always said this is a three-dose vaccine. You've, I've always said this is a three-dose vaccine. This is a three-dose vaccine. But I'm not done yet. That third immunization. The problem is it's not holding up. So we may have to look at sort of innovative solutions. Oh, God, not this again. A fourth immunization oh just, just to, keep them, <laughs> to keep them going. To keep the country uh, going. We have to consider some out-of-the-box things. A fourth immunization. Fourth? A fourth immunization. Get that second boost. A second boost to keep the country uh, going. I've made that recommendation. A fourth immunization. But I'm still not done. One semester later. <laughs> Unfortunately, the numbers are starting to trend up again. So the hospitalizations are up. And so the most important message that I have this morning is get your new bivalent booster. Uh, Willie and Lise were saying they got their booster and I was like, oh, I need to get mine. And then I found out they, they're talking about the third shot. Mm-hmm. And is that the bivalent or is it the fourth booster or does it matter? Like, uh, Don't worry so much about the number of... There's no wrong way to use it. You have <laughs> to get it. This new bivalent booster... You can double or triple stack them. The new bivalent <laughs> one is, is doing a much better job. You, you have, have to get a booster. Yeah. You need to get this new bivalent booster. That bivalent booster for COVID. But does everyone ages 12 and older need a booster? The answer is yes. Yes. And by the way, if you're over 50 and have gotten two boosters and more than four, two, or th- two to four months out, you're going to need a third booster as well a fifth immunization five i don't think we're gonna need an annual booster like flu eventually dr hotez supports yearly boosters just like flu but i'm still not done it looks as though the boosters are not holding up quite as well as we'd like them. and 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 i think our think thinking is going to change and that what's going to happen is every you know few months we may need another booster uh. Uh, perfect results each and every time. You know, we just could not overcome that massive 
and disinformation campaign. These fake concepts of herd immunity and discrediting masks. Dr. Hotez, you are a national treasure. It is picking off young people like we've never seen. Dr. Peter Hotez, that was extremely informative. Disinformation that you're hearing, that kids are fine, it's nonsense. Kids need to get that vaccination. You healthcare workers have been our saviors. Watch out for that misinformation. Dr. Peter Hotez is probably one of the smartest people on this topic. If you haven't gotten your five and ups vaccinated yet, now's the time to do that. Dr. Peter Hotez, thank you for saving the world. They also support giving that third immunization for the 12 to 17 year olds. People have to feel safe. Dr. Hotez, you are a voice of reason. Take down the fake information. These fake concepts of herd immunity. My last hope is to vaccinate our way through this. Make certain that everybody's vaccinated, including their kids. That's the single yeah. most important thing right now the American people have to do. Dr. Peter Hotez was the person that we like to go to uh, for the sort of expertise. The single most impactful thing you can do is make certain that you're fully boosted and preferably too boosted. Later. Monkeypox is a global emergency. And it's accelerating uh, among a specific social network of, of men who have sex with men, not because it's sexually transmitted. Monkeypox is sexually transmitted almost <laughs> exclusively. Before we let you go, we have to stop and applaud you because I, a lot of MSNBC viewers who have watched you constantly for the last three years or so and, and have come to trust you. I don't know if they fully appreciate what you have done. The guy is a clown shoe. One of the things that we're not hearing. Yeah, just, yeah. <clears throat> the guy is an absolute clown shoe. And I'll also have the clip, if you want it, of him, the one of the times that he was on Rogan when he's talking about the food. Now, we can explain that. Um, this is exactly what we've spoken about the last two weeks when, you know, two weeks ago, the whole title of the episode was Beware of Media Darlings. So interspersed through all those clips is how the news anchors were introducing him or praising him or saying that he is a godsend or whatever because they were framing this guy as a media darling as an expert that you should be listening to but all that clip shows is he just lied time and time again to sell vaccines that's his job he's a yeah. vaccine salesman that's it it's plain and simple and Business is good because he eats well. Yeah. So what Alex, was, what Alex was referring to before about the clip on Rogan. So he has appeared on Rogan before. And there's a clip that's gone around because Rogan... So this was during the pandemic and he was talking about the benefits of the vaccine. And Rogan asked him about what his personal habits are like and his you know health habits. How does he eat? Does he take vitamins? Does he exercise? And as the, yeah, as the video watchers would probably already guess, he doesn't eat healthy, he eats junk food all the time, he rarely exercises, he sometimes goes for a walk, he doesn't take vitamins, and yet he is the expert to tell you how to be healthy, which just so happens to require you to take this uh, brand new novel medication. That didn't work. So uh, there was that stoush, and then some other people started jumping on the tweets there. Yeah, so sorry, uh, just, they... to, just to again give the bit of the preamble. So when, when Joe Rogan offered him to come on and debate RFK, he essentially refused and used the same sort of stuff that these guys, these... I'll get to it, it'll be on here. ...snake oil salesmen have used the entire pandemic. Uh, so his response was... Joe, you have my cell, my email. I'm always willing to speak with you. That was his second response. Uh, oh, no, here we go. Here we go. Be serious, Joe. 
that's what you throw out for hunting buddies on a weekend. A fifty. No, is that right? 50 yeah, yeah. So game? that was the that was a, the initial response that he actually took down. So that's in response to the hundred thousand dollars that Joe offered for charity. So then Professor Hoke right, tweeted back saying, be serious, Joe. That's what you throw out for your hunting buddies on the weekend. A $50 million endowment, in brackets, which you, Spotify, RFK Jr. can easily afford. Not for me, but so we can continue making low-cost, patent-free vaccines for the world's poor, preceded by RFK Jr.'s public apology. And then... Um, Rogan oh, he responds, deleted it. That's yeah, right. He deleted that one. So Rogan responds saying, by the way, Peter Hotez, I saw this tweet that you deleted. <laughs> Uh, so then he said, yeah, you have my cell, my email. So essentially, without going into all of these tweets, all he wanted to do was use this as a virtue signaling thing to his supporters that he's used to receiving that support from social media, then use it to grift by telling everyone about how all he, all he does is try to give low-cost vaccines to the world's poor. Then he was trying to say that he would go on Rogan's podcast, but only to speak to Rogan because he doesn't want another expert in the room who can refute his claims. Yeah. The only... But then there was, there was also people that had said, well, it's not right to, like, don't don't drop down to their level because yeah. RFK's a lawyer, he's not a doctor. Yeah. And people have suggested, like, okay, we'll get a doctor then. We'll put a doctor in there. That's right. Let's put Peter, put Peter McCullough in there. Yeah. And they're like, oh, but scientists, yeah, like science isn't just for public debate with people who don't understand the science. And it's like, no, no, this is the same shield you guys use the entire pandemic. You said, hey, all you dum-dums know nothing. Trust me, because I have a stethoscope. Go and take this vaccine that we are making money hand over fist from. See, I do love this because someone added it up. And I think this this whole stouch has had 350 million impressions yeah. on Twitter. Mm. No, I don't think there's any real like. Sorry, if you were sitting in the middle of this uh, of this debate, yep, you are now firmly on uh, the red pill side. Now, there, if you're no, in the middle, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in the middle, you know, the the the, the guy, the the hardcore lefty blue pillars, they're yep. never they're not going anywhere. No, no. But if you were in the middle and seeing this, it's pathetic and do you and know what I, I, I love it the way that you said it before but it was really really he would have got away with that in 2021 yep because everyone else was censored would have been powerful enough to remove joe from from that discourse and this time he shot he he, he took the shot and it landed but it didn't do anything but they were like oh shit people can fire back now i'm not used to that but what I found I so entertaining... something like $1.6 million has been raised. People have thrown in a bunch of money to have this, yeah. get this debate going. Like, what if they got to the 50? If they got to the $50 million, does Hotez have to do it? Or because he's deleted that tweet, does that not count? Well, no, because Big Pharma, who he shills for, will pay him more money not to go on there. Yeah, true. Right? So, but what I found so entertaining... So, this is the sort of thing that I say... Like, why I say that the left doesn't care about data. So, he's obviously a lefty. And he knows that his supporters don't care about data and they, they'll watch that video that we just played and they'll be like, oh, they just didn't know. It's a new disease. It was a new vaccine. Oh, it was a new variant. Like they'll come up with all the excuses in the world because they can't, they just can't accept the truth. But what I found so entertaining about his mad scramble for support was his argument to not debate RFK on Rogan 
was that RFK is not a scientist. Therefore, science is not to be debated. So he's not equipped to have that conversation or he's not even equipped to question me about these things. And then Mark Cuban got involved. And Mark Cuban, who is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, who any yep. if anyone knows who he is, he's one of the Shark Tank guys. He's an investment guy. He ain't a scientist. Mark Cuban gets involved and tweets in support of Hotez. And during his tweet also happens to drop a little mention about his platform that sells cost plus drugs. So it was an advertisement as well. And then Hotez... No, no, that's all it was. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, finish, finish it. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Cuban because I had an interesting... But then Hotez shares that and he's like, thanks, Mark, for your support. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can't get support from that guy. He's not a scientist. You're saying that these yeah. people can't question you because they're not scientists. But now you're allowed to share the support of non-scientists saying sciencey things. No, no, you can't have it so both ways, Mark bruh. Cuban was not supporting him at all. He trolled to push here to shill his company which got 350 million impressions because he couldn't go on the other side because he would fall away he mark cuban's a smart guy yeah and i don't think he believes what he wrote i wouldn't call it a troll i I would i would call it good marketing because he needs people to believe in big pharma so they'll go on his platform to buy drugs but but well no he he wants to go against big pharma he wants little pharma that's yeah, but you have to believe and I don't want to shoot his company, so I actually wish he didn't say, oh, I'd like you to beep that name out because fuck that guy. But yeah. um, I, I I, don't think he actually believes what he said. I think he was playing the character. That's why I called him a troll because I think he was playing the, the, uh, the obvious bad guy. He was bashing the guy that he knows is right. Mm. And just so he could put his link and his at for his company. Yeah, and who are the whose audience is more likely to purchase drugs from his company? It's Hotez's audience. Yeah. So it yeah, allowed do, him to market the, directly to Hotez's audience. Sure. Yeah. There are some of the tweets that I do want to read. So Hotez is like, Joe, you have my cell, my email. I'm always willing to listen to you, uh, to speak with you. And then Joe comes back. This is a non-answer. I challenge you publicly because you publicly tweeted and agreed that uh, that this dog shit vice article. Uh, if you're really serious about what you stand for. You now have a massive opportunity to debate that will reach the largest audience. Um, and then he goes, Joe, if you're serious about addressing vaccines, plus the fact that uh, 200,000 unvaccinated Americans needlessly perished during our awful Delta slash BA1 COVID waves, including 40,000 in our state of Texas. Appeals to emotion. They all, yeah, all fell victims to vaccine disinformation. I want to have that discussion. And Joe's like, again... I'm going to ask you very clearly, <laughs> are you willing to debate Robert Kennedy Jr. on my podcast? And then he comes back, uh, I'm happy to come on the air. I respect you and your show. I don't want an adversarial relationship. I think we can work well together. And then Joe goes, to those misunderstanding what he's saying, he's not agreeing to debate Robert <laughs> Kennedy. He's just offering to come on my show by himself. Yeah. Um, and then there was something about uh, he had grouped Elon, Tucker, and Rogan, and RFK called them liberal, no, neo-fascists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it, now everyone's piling on, on him. He's getting destroyed. I've just destroyed. jumped on. I've jumped on Twitter. The first thing that came up was Professor Peter Hotez. I don't follow him by the way, but yeah. the first thing that came up 
was him sharing an article, an opinion piece from Bloomberg with the title, If Joe Rogan Asks You to Debate, Be Suspicious. And then... Well, okay. I, um, so, the, uh, what's his name? What's the guy's name that was... There was a guy that did not have a good relationship with uh, Rogan because he was on the... Uh, he was on the Graham Hancock... Um, series and he was like the skeptic and they wanted to have a debate mm. and it was ultra heated it was super awkward right but even that guy has come on here and said hotez i'm telling you go on there joe is a stand-up guy and he'll yeah. do the right thing by you like yeah. it'll be really fair like he literally had hotez on during the pandemic after his controversy to speak about covid and vaccines yeah. and to put his perspective out there and if anyone goes back and watches that interview He's not attacking Hotez at all. He's literally asking questions to get him to put out his perspective. Um, and yeah, I just had a quick breeze through the comments on this thing and he's just getting wrecked in these comments as well. First, <laughs> first one, look, we all know you're too much of a coward to debate RFK Jr. on the Joe Rogan show because the facts are not on your side and you're afraid of being exposed as a charlatan you are. Uh, there's no point giving us all your excuses for why you're not going to do it. Anyway... This is, is exactly what we spoke about the last two weeks. Beware of media, darlings. He, all he is, is a salesperson. Like, I was, I was chatting to uh, our dad about this today, and I mentioned this story. And I said, as, as a salesperson, we literally have a term for this in the sales industry, which is an appeal to authority close. So if you're going to buy a car and you're dealing with the salesperson and the salesperson tells you something and you don't believe it because they're the salesperson, but then the manager comes out and tells you the exact same thing, the majority of people believe the manager because they're like, well, he's the authority guy. He knows, right? He, and, and he might be telling you the truth, but the reality is that the client is more willing to accept the information from the manager than they are from the salesperson. Mm. Hotez is the manager because he is the science, he is the doctor, the professor. So they wheel these guys out because their authority, that's why he's always in his in his his dress up. That's why he's always yeah, got yeah, the lab yeah. coat on. Pantomime. He's wearing yeah. a stuff. Look at Zelensky and the war in Ukraine. Why the fuck when when Zelensky was going to Washington for money, why is he wearing his military fatigues? more pockets because yeah yeah those um those car key pants have big pockets Cargos. for cash yeah, yeah yeah but that's exactly the point it is all pantomime because they want you to associate Zelensky with a war zone so even though he's not in one you need to associate with that so you're happy for your taxpayer dollars to go to Zelensky it's the exact same thing they're doing with Hotez and but you I said you want to I want anyone that's out there that was in the middle and I'm not, I, I doubt you're listening to us, to be honest, but, yeah. you know, if someone, if, if, if in the future you ever hear this, I want you to look at moments like this and apply the same, I guess, the methodology yeah. across everything that happens. If yeah. someone's not willing to debate someone, look, unless there was a risk, of, like, I wouldn't debate Mike Tyson, Right. Because he could destroy me. <laughs> yep. If it was the threat of physical violence, yeah, totally, right? Yep. But you should be able to debate ideas. Yep. And if you, the truth will always win, right? Yep. The truth will always win. But clearly, Eventually. if you, 
eventually the truth will yeah yeah will always win yeah. and and the beauty of the debate is that if you're putting two people on an equal standing an equal field to be able to, to that's what a debate is that's, that's what right. it's designed to do so yeah. the right answer is supposed to come out of a debate yeah and even if it's not that guy let's pick the two heroes and let's put the so i would say peter mccullough is the number one uh red pill argument for vaccines he'd be number one in my book as in against the vaccines against the vaccines yeah yeah yeah. and then if hotez isn't the number one who's your hero submit your hero it's probably fauci but obviously he's just disappeared into the wilderness after resigning which is what every other health official has done all around the world that we've seen that we've been following not just health officials even people even celebrities and and politicians anyone that told us to take the jab has seemingly resigned yeah and look what we are here to do on the show is not just to bleat about these things but we want to give you some tools that you can actually apply to your own life to to be hip to these things next time and one of the biggest tips i can give you is if you are seeing anything on any form of media and it is giving you an emotional response yeah stop take a deep breath take a step back from it and go what is really going on here? This person that is telling me this, do they benefit in some maybe financial way or a clout way? Or is there some benefit to them for me to believe what they're saying? Because in our post-truth world we live in at the moment, every time they try to get you to do something which benefits them financially, they will sell it to you emotionally. Every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ukraine, all the stuff you saw on the media was about how they were a dem- democratic nation that uh, Vladimir Putin, who's a war criminal, invaded illegally. We need to help Ukraine. Zelensky's a hero. Remember, the US offered to fly him out. He's like, no, I'm going to stay here and fight. Like they put him up as a hero, right? Emotion, emotion. They want you to feel it because then that justifies us sending your money to them. Climate change is the next one. Oh, if we don't do this now, there won't be a world to live in for our, for your grandchildren, right? And all that's happening, what are our energy prices doing at the moment? Going through the roof. The, the Labor government in Australia is still t- telling everyone that renewables are the cheapest form of energy. Well, we've shut down coal-fired power plants and look at our power prices. They've gone through well, the roof. But no, but if, after what we said last week about the power companies being able to take your power out for for free that is the cheapest for them yeah Yeah. exactly right so emotion they want people to be emotional to accept the higher up energy prices and like you said on the pod last week we're still paying almost the same price per liter for fuel the price per barrel has halved in the last 12 months Mm. but it's just profiteering right but they want you to like if you are so hopped up about the climate you're, you're going to be like, yeah, people should pay through the nose for those things because then I guess the extra tax dollars are going to be put towards climate initiatives. Like it's an emotional appeal to steal your money from you. COVID was exactly the same. Get vaccinated or you'll kill grandma. Like, so next time you're watching the news and they are trying to give you an emotional pitch on anything, I'm not telling you it's immediately wrong. I'm just telling you that you need to be immediately skeptical. Try to pull your Absolutely. own emotion out of it. Check yourself and go, you know what? I'm going to go and check a few different sources for this. I'm going to go and check what the the VK bros are saying about this on the podcast this week because I'm sure it's going to come up. And follow us on yeah. Rumble. Yeah. Follow okay, us. next story. Uh, your mate. Your mate. 
Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. Uh, 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 why have I lost my place? Do you want to go to the uh, the article I sent you? I'll yeah. give a bit of a bit yeah. of a lead in. So yeah, we do that. So Hunter Biden's in the news this week because um, some people may know, but Hunter Biden was under federal investigation for a whole raft of things, and uh, he has reached a uh, an agreement, a plea deal this week. So there's an article here. It's from CBS, which is key takeaways from Hunter Biden's guilty plea deal on federal tax and gun charges. So the details. So uh, Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss. Now, just to just to throw it out there, the Biden family basically owns Delaware. Like, that's where yeah. the Bidens are from, just as a bit of a sweetener. So, Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss announced on Tuesday that a plea agreement had been reached with President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, potentially avoiding incarceration or a trial. A federal judge must first approve the deal. What are the charges? Hunter Biden was charged with two misdemeanor tax offenses and a felony firearm offense. What is Hunter Biden pleading? So, gun possession. He is admitting to the felony gun possession allegation, but will enter into a pre-trial diversion agreement in lieu of entering a guilty plea. That whole phrase sounds so dodgy. A pre-trial diversion agreement in lieu of entering a guilty plea. When have you That sounds ever... like pleading the fizz Yeah, when have you ever seen someone go, look, a diversion, and they're all doing the right thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tax offences. Hunter Biden is entering a guilty plea to two misdemeanor tax charges related to his willful failure to pay taxes for 2017 and 2018. A court filing on Tuesday indicates he had more than $1.5 million in income each year and did not pay taxes either year when they were due. He has since fully repaid back taxes and fines, including $2 million reportedly paid to the federal government last year with the help of a loan from his personal attorney. Does he face prison time? If Hunter Biden had been convicted of the crimes, he could have faced a maximum penalty of 12 months in prison on each of the tax charges and a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison on the firearm charge, according to a press release from Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss. A source with knowledge of the agreement said Hunter Biden will not be pleading guilty to the gun charge, which will be dismissed if he remains drug-free and doesn't commit additional crimes for two years. Or if he does, who cares? Yeah. Hunter Biden had a gun? Yes. Weiss said Hunter Biden unlawfully possessed a gun for 11 days from October 12th through October 23, 2018, despite knowing he was an unlawful user of and addicted to a controlled substance. A court filing made by Weiss on Tuesday identifies the handgun as a Colt Cobra 38 SPL. What else was part of the investigation? The investigation into Hunter Biden dates back to at least 2018. For a time, it appeared the investigation had broader scope, ranging across Hunter Biden's many international business dealings. This is a very key point to this, guys. A 2019 federal subpoena obtained by CBS News sought banking records for Hunter and the president's brother, James, as well as two business partners. The subpoena demanded they turn over records for transactions with the Bank of China, dating back to 2014 when Joe Biden was vice president. A December 2020 subpoena requesting documents as far back as January 2017 regarding Hunter Biden's income, assets, debts, obligations, and financial transactions, and all personal and business expenditures. Is the investigation over? It depends on who you ask. Weiss's office said in the statement Tuesday morning that the investigation is ongoing. I have a point to make on that too. 
Earlier in the day, Chris Clark, an attorney for Hunter Biden, said in a statement to CBS News, It is my understanding that the five-year investigation into Hunter is resolved. Congressional Republicans have vowed to move forward with their own investigations separate from the Justice Department probe. Anyway, we don't have to keep going because it's just going to be White House or Republicans. The brief point that I'm going to make on them saying that the investigation is still ongoing, what do you think that means, Alex? I think that they are putting the real bad stuff on pause till after the election. Yep, but Get Joey Joey B back in and then, oh yeah, by the way, he did stacks of deals with Ukraine, with China. Yeah. Uh, he sold art. He laundered money by selling his art pieces to government officials to get phone calls with daddy. Yeah. Um, but the key point is saying the investigation is ongoing means you can't answer any questions about those things. Oh, no, that's a uh, that's an ongoing investigation. We can't comment on that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Which is in, in, until the election. Yeah. Or even yeah. never. Potentially, if Biden wins the election, never. maybe never. Mm. So, so let's let's analyze this. What Hunter Biden was initially originally being investigated for was not only tax evasion, but even the deal for his attorney to pay his two million dollar tax debt. That was dodgy. Yeah, who who has? I've never seen that deal before. I've paid lawyers before. <laughs> they ain't given me no loan. <laughs> well, if you actually even look into that backstory, he only met that lawyer 12 months beforehand. He's like a Hollywood lawyer who became friends with Hunter. And then all of a sudden, like when I think their relationship was less than 12 months, was like, yeah, I'll help you out with $2 million. You know, that's not paying for access to your father at all, who's the president. Yeah. Right? Um, the, the bank record stuff, that's what we covered on the podcast about a month ago. So the, the uh, Republicans' investigation into this, they essentially what it, what it appears, what the allegation is, is that the Biden family, so not just Hunter, Joe Biden included in it, was basically running a cash for access scheme to Joe Biden when Joe Biden was vice president. So Hunter was a contact. He would make contact with people from China, with people from Ukraine. And that was where the 10% for the big guy thing came in. And those people who wanted access were essentially paying Hunter money to then get access to Joe Biden, which could then do things such as influence policy decisions, which can make people a lot of money. And now, just as a weird coincidence, there's this war that broke out in Ukraine a year ago, and the US government has funneled $130 billion into Ukraine. Just a coincidence. So that was part of it. So that's that would have implicated the president in, uh, in committing a felony. Speaking of felonies, he lied on his application for his gun license by stating on the application that he does not take any illicit substances. Now, the laptop from hell has shown pictures of him holding the gun, smoking crack. (laughs) (laughs) He loves the crack. So there's documented evidence of him... So, so that in, in America, so anyone knows, that's a felony. That is a federal felony. That's why that was the um had the highest jail time that was 10 years that anyone else if you did that if you were a regular joe blow off the street and you did that you lied on your form to illegally obtain a firearm you would get 10 years in prison so now all of these things rolled up into a ball and there's all these other things about it too which i'm not going to get into have essentially been bundled up and now he will plead guilty to two tax misdemeanors 
of about $100,000 each of 2017 and 2018. He then gets to use his diversion away from the, the felony that he committed and all of the other investigation materials are seemingly rolled up and poof, into the ether. Done yeah. and dusted. Everyone gets out squeaky clean. And what is so fascinating is when you juxtapose that against what they're trying to put Donald Trump in prison for at the moment, which essentially amounts to tax evasion. Yeah, it's wild. And look, on the same note, SBF, I don't have enough details about it. Uh, I, I don't actually think much is out there, but he looks like he's getting the same deal that dropped a bunch of charges against him. Where I don't know what the charges are yet. Yeah. But, you know, I think I'm pretty sure I called it here. I said that he wouldn't go away. Yeah. That he because he greased the the right wheels on the way through yeah and uh you know he's got mega mega donor money even though he's broken like even his bail he wasn't supposed to be on the internet and yeah. he's been caught on the internet he tried to send like two million dollars through uh, what's called a crypto mixing service which which is a way to obfuscate the blockchain so yeah. that you can hide money you can literally launder money yeah doesn't matter He'll still get away with it. They yeah, all so do. If, if anyone who has just joined us recently who's not sure who SBF is, that is Sam Bankman-Fried. He was the CEO of FTX, the crypto platform that went down last year, which essentially appears to have been part of a money laundering ocu- uh, organization where the US government was sending money to Ukraine and then it was getting funneled back via FTX into the hands of not only Democrat uh, politicians, but Republican politicians as well. Mm-hmm. so greasing mm-hmm. the wheels on, of power as Alex was saying and on that note let's leave we'll it there see you guys next week. thanks very much for joining us see you next week